888-344-3214-321. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Anyway, let's get over to Tom Fishburne. Back to the office. We've reopened the office. Why doesn't everyone want to keep working from home? <laughs> Tom, I got uh, this is probably your best ca cartoon ever. <laughs> Because, you know, I started my consulting firm just because I had they they I had a beautiful office. It was out overlooking the the Performing Arts Center and the and the Milwaukee River. And it was really I mean, I had ceiling to floor windows and I had I don't know what 10 foot ceilings or something. Just a beautiful, beautiful office, probably, you know, 500 square feet or, or better. And uh, I mean, uh, the kind of office you could have exercise equipment in or something. And uh, closed my own door and everything. I mean, like a real office. And uh, so I started my consulting firm because uh, it was a, it was downtown. And so I had a commute in Milwaukee. You know, think about the traffic in Milwaukee. There's not much traffic. But the last 20 blocks or so of getting to downtown was always backed up. Uh, and And further, I had to park about three blocks away. And I had this big old compact computer that weighed maybe 15 pounds or something, plus whatever else I wanted to carry. And uh, I couldn't imagine doing that in the winter. So just going back to the office got me to go off on my own because uh, we moved offices. So uh, at <laughs> Ron Carucci in his Harvard Business Review article last month on return to the office, if the Transition to work from home wasn't challenging enough. The transition of back to the office may prove even more difficult. Our brains will be looking for familiar routines to return to that simply won't be there. You can still watch the news every morning. <laughs> the marketing news. The global marketing news. Even if you're at the office. Yeah, I know. It's be harder. You have to sneak it. I don't know how you'd do it. Maybe on your phone. And when that happens, our brain will have to expend extra energy to adjust on the fly. This transition will invite us to bring the best versions <laughs> will invite us to build, bring the best versions of ourselves back to the office and reveal how the pandemic made us even stronger. <laughs> More than likely the backbiting and the politics will start up again with equal fervor. Anyway, knowing that your role as the team leader is uniquely important in helping others traverse with this this with hope, kindness, and patience to make sure all those that you're stabbing in the back aren't going to notice right away. Uh, Ron cites a recent Harvard study that found that 81% of people either don't want to go back to the office or would prefer some hybrid schedule going forward. Now, the problem with the hybrid schedule, I can tell you, because we kind of run hybrid schedules and you can't ever tell when anybody's going to be here or whenever when you're going to get a hold of them, you know, and they might be at Great America and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to be in on a meeting or something. So the flexibility of work from home is way too disruptive. There's no there's no in fact, you know, the the business owner really wants this kind of environment where we can make sure that you're noses to the grindstone without really any let up no matter how bloody the grindstone wheel gets uh morgan stanley ceo james gorman recently warned that he would be very disappointed 
if workers aren't back in the office by Labor Day. And if they're not, he threatened, then we'll have a different kind of conversation. I mean, he's basically saying, we'll fire you if you don't get back here. Well, that's what you need. You need a little strong leadership. I wonder how many will quit like I did. <laughs> I quit basically the second day that I, or the first day that I had to drive downtown into bad traffic. And I thought, this is stupid. I, I can work. I, I didn't work from home because I had four little kids or three little kids and one on the way. And, you know, didn't know if I could do that home and work. You know, daddy's working in the doors closed kind of thing. I didn't know if they'd get that. My son-in-law has done a really excellent job of that um, with the pandemic and his, and his kids. So, so I, maybe I could have done it. Maybe I should have done it. So, uh, meetings, meetings, meetings. Yeah. The advantage is you can have more meetings and do less work. Uh, digital trans. I think, I think Tom likes this cart cartoon, the best of all of his work. I don't particularly, you know, change is just what is what it is. Change is opportunity and threats mixed together. Uh, the new normal, loopy, loopy, loopy. <laughs> and uh, are you sure we should base our marketing plan on everything just getting back to business as usual? <laughs> right. Okay. McCormick to pay $100,000 for director of taco relations. But there's a few catches. You get to be an ambassador. You get to travel around for four months, visit to headquarters, Help them work on new taco flavorings, and uh, you're basically a Miss America of taco of taco for McCormick. Um, I think it's a pretty good deal. The gig lasts and pays 100 grand. That's pretty good, man. And what you got to do? You got one day to do this. That's why I had to get it in today. Uh, the the uh, the video auditions have to be submitted by July 20th. Now, I've seriously considered this because I'm so good on video, as you all know. And uh, so it's supposed to show personality, storytelling skills, and love of tacos. Unfortunately, I don't really love tacos. <laughs> they spill all over the place. I'm not good at eating them. That's just the problem with it, you know. It's, it makes a lot of sense if you're skilled in that but I'm not and I like to put lots of stuff in there too much stuff I oh I get the ratios wrong and so you know and it's basically the taco mix <laughs> dumped on the ground beef uh, so I though I think I could do really well in the additions I just don't want to spend four months doing tacos here's some good news you won't see on any other news channel Austrian's po Austrian Post has a good year, uh, half-year performance for 2021. Parcels are up 20%, uh, and they're also apparently running Turkey's post office. I don't know what CEE is, but Turkey is up 24% on parcel. Letter volumes down another 3%, you know, no surprise there. But here's a good one. Direct mail volumes are up 2%, which isn't a lot, but hey. It's something, right? We, at least we got some growth for a change instead of our regular 4% decline. Okay, so I thought you'd get a kick out of that one. Uh, Ritson, excellent article, as always. There are many reasons to start worrying about your brand and consulting with bozos like me. Bozos like me. For strategic help. 
<laughs> Over the years, I've learned to appreciate that the list is long and loopy of reasons. But the corporate decision, the, one of the biggest is the corporate decision to reposition or, God forbid, completely rebrand. In almost all those instances, he's had about a dozen of these big ones, I've made an impassioned and occasionally persuasive argument not to pursue this plan, but look elsewhere. And I've been involved in some of those. One of the benefits of mail that Mark doesn't probably appreciate, you know, he can't help it. He's a big brand guy, uh, is that mail, you can still preserve some, you know, you may have taken a little bit of a detour. You may, you may have found a new market, but you can still pound the old market with the same basic offer and not tell them that you found a way to increase the competition in their industry by, by uh, marketing to, well, we did this with dog groomers. Um, we did some geodemographics, business to business. We were selling to dog grooming companies. And, um, you know, I'd seen Best of Show. And so we took, uh, so we when we did a profile in the fall, we found that the dog groomers were in upscale neighborhoods, high income, high education, high population density, um, high median dwelling value, all that stuff. And we kind of labeled that market Fifi the Poodle. And then in the spring, because we had made them so much money on the first modeling, uh, they said, well, why don't you do it again? So we did. And then all of a sudden it was downscale. It was low income, low education, low population density, low dwelling value, and just everything was low. I'd never seen anything like that flip in business to business. Uh, it turned out that in the spring, dogs get clipped by their owners because they're full of burrs and uh, the dogs like it and they don't care how they look. So instead of going to dog groomers for $100 a pop or something, they'll take them to the vet or the kennel or the boarding uh, or the, uh, or, you know, or the pet store and they'll get it done. And so it was an entirely new market. We estimated it might be 20 times bigger than the best of show people uh, because most dog owners aren't that concerned, aren't super concerned with the grooming, maybe once a year or something. Um, and But it was so it was a much, much bigger market. And so we rebranded. They changed the name to Pet Edge, and they, uh, and they started marketing not only dog grooming products to pet stores, but they started gr uh, selling other pet products, toys and, and accessory items, etc., um, because they had more buying power than Petco, I guess, at the time. And, you know, did really well. And so, um, but, you know, we didn't want to alienate the dog groomers. So we were able to take, do a database analysis. Uh, we asked the client to identify the, the superior pet grooming products that, that a dog clipper wouldn't, wouldn't use. Uh, one of them I remember was like they had some beautiful German scissors that were, I don't know, $200 or something a pair. And, you know, the average person, the average pet store won't spend that kind of money. So anybody that bought that or other similar products that were really for the professional groomer, um, we kept mailing the professional groomer catalog to. And the rest of the world, we started mailing the dog clipper market, especially in the spring. 
and the company grew in a recession more than 20 percent uh they hadn't been growing much um because you know dog grooming isn't that big of explosive growth industry and they uh but we we managed to grow 20 percent that year 20 percent the next year 20 percent the year after that and uh then they decided to do it on their own and got into some more troubled waters they did hire us back again but um the point is is that you can with mail often you can reposition and i have other stories like that but that's today's story you can reposition without completely alienating an existing profitable market if you're careful because you know you don't know what your next door neighbor got in the mail right fundamentally okay so try to find successful examples of brands that have changed completely what they stand for if you can find any and most people can't then uh then you know nokia might be the best example it was a lumber company in sweden or finland or something and uh you know there you go but um rebranding where you change the perception and the name and the livery is pretty nearly impossible but certainly cost prohibitive and insane according to ritson i think that there's truth in that if you want the entire article already marked up go to wdma and subscribe if you're already subscribed it's free go to the members only section and every day's show notes are down there all marked up for you and so you get to know the important parts but i you know i can't i can't do a 17 minute article on a 10 minute show but it's a three-step motion go back to your origins distill what you what you remember and discover and then uh think about a way to deliver that in a new way the paradox of branding is that consistency demands change and great brands have magic in them but then they maintain that magic by updating and evolving and ritson's last article was on john lewis the department store that's going to take some of their real estate and put up uh family dwellings uh and and decorate them you know fully furnished uh with their with their furniture and stuff and i think it's a pretty cool idea and ritson thinks it's a really cool idea there's almost no risk in it so go back to that uh john lewis video if you want more information on that what's cool becomes uncool what's fast appears slow time makes fools of all brands that stand still there's a lot of pithy good comments on here and here's the basic formula step back boil it down then look forward okay and uh he takes as an example the national lottery in the uk uh when they started it was about thousands and hundreds of thousands of prizes but it was also that that um the money was going to go to enhance our national life it's going to fund charities and other good causes in